This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the most valuable sports podcast. My name is Brandon Worth, and as always, joined by my co-host and buddy, Mr. Joe Nagy. What's up, Joe? It's a great day to be in the studio, Brandon. We got a great guest, too. Indeed. We have a great guest today, and he is Ferris State golfer Thomas Hersey is here. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. We're very excited to have more guests on the show. If you want to be a guest, you know what to do. Find us on Twitter at the MVSP. Send us a message. We'll see if we can get you in the studio as we got a lot of stuff coming up. But with Thomas here today, we wanted, we will talk some golf. But first, let's get into an interview. So, Thomas, um, what inspired you to start golf as you probably started in high school and you had some pretty good success being a just a state champion? No big deal. But yeah, what, not, what inspired I mean, no you to deal, golf? No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. What inspired you to golf? Yeah, so kind of um, growing up, I've always been involved with golf. My dad introduced me to it at a super young age, but then, so I kind of played it all throughout my life, um, was really into basketball, and then, you know, kind of saw basketball and golf, you know, golf was probably more of an opportunity to play at the collegiate level, um, so I kind of took that up, and probably the sophomore sophomore year of high school started taking it a lot more seriously, um, and really grinding on it, getting... Um, reps all throughout the year you know I was really big into playing sports throughout the year but then I really through playing sports kind of focused some more of my extra time towards golf um, and that really helped I guess propel me to the spot where I'm at now yeah I could say that I had somewhat of a similar I mean I was a three sport guy I didn't honestly see running as my potential collegiate sport until basically after my junior season when I realized I had a lot of potential but yeah I mean as we mentioned, you are a freshman year, you won a state championship at Sutton's Bay in high school. And then your senior year, you were runner up as far as almost individual state champion. So close, so close. But I mean, as far as what was the feeling like winning a state championship? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was it was my freshman year when we won the team state championship. And, you know, um, I was in a group of guys where we had myself and then four seniors on the team. Um, and, you know, they they really help introduce me to golf, like competitive golf in general, um, and really getting the mindset right. And then my dad is actually my coach throughout the whole okay. high school career. So it was, awesome. it, was, it, it was cool to win it with him. Um, I think that was, he's won like four state championships as a coach. So wow. he's, he's had a pretty good resume, but that one was special to him because I was on the team and, um, you know, everything we accomplished throughout the year, but it was, I mean, it's just so surreal. You know, it's, Playing golf is fun, but then being able to win tournaments is even better, mm-hmm. and uh, especially at the state championship level, like that was just an unbelievable experience. Winning is a lot of fun, and I mean, coming from the Traverse City area, you got a lot of probably a lot of colleges that you can look for going to for the collegiate level. Um, what kind of brought you to Ferris? Yeah, so Ferris, um, Ferris was actually not one of the first ones I looked into going to. There are some other ones in the GLIAC, um, even a couple out of state, and then I reached out to Ferris. Um, pretty late probably the beginning of my senior year uh, my swing coach back home is closely tied to Ferris he was a graduate um, in the PGM program so he know he knew the coach he kind of knew the program and he said hey why don't you check out Ferris so I said all right I'll, I'll give it a shot so I emailed the coach uh, kind of looked into what academic programs I had here and it was a really good opportunity because I'm studying pre-optometry and biology and that yeah. was that was like the main the main focus for me coming in was being able to fit 
an academic um, major with being on the golf team. Yeah. Um, sure. So that was like the best spot for it and the most attractive spot for it. And then, yeah, all throughout the recruiting process, you know, just came down for a couple of visits. And like I said, I was really late to it. So I didn't really know how the whole process went mm-hmm. coming down here, just meeting the coach and everything. Um, kind of see, meeting the guys in the program and seeing what kind of dynamic they had was just very attractive um, to me coming here. And I think that was, yeah, that was a big reason why I came. It's yeah. awesome. Pre-optometry, the optometry program here is really great. It's really exceptional. I know yeah. a couple of people that have had much success from the program. But talking about <laughs> some of your teammates, what, what, how much have you enjoyed being on the golf team? What is it like being with the guys? How much have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I mean, it's been incredible. I'm sure you guys know, but there's not much There's not much better than just going out and playing golf with the boys. And oh, I think that's... Nothing with the, <laughs> with the boys. And I think that's been the most fun part. I mean, competing and everything is great, but just being on a team environment. I think golf is a sport that can get so individual sometimes. And like, it's like a tennis or I don't know other sports and there's other ones, but, um, or like running, like you can, mm-hmm. you can look at it as an individual sport, but I think the best attitude to have, like coming into college and being on a competitive team is taking that mindset towards that it's a team sport. And I think that makes it 10 times more enjoyable. I mean, all the guys were always going up to the course to practice together, always playing, um, having fun games out there. You know, it's, it's, a uh, it's a good time with the guys for Definitely. sure. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, with Michigan, I mean, already we've had some fluctuating weather. I mean, today, getting out of my car i was like wow it doesn't feel like it's november right now but the other day mm-hmm. when i was playing golf and it was like 35 out yeah. so yeah especially with that kind of practicing how does the ken jank uh, center just kind of factor into that because now you mm-hmm. can get that year-round practice especially at a state-of-the-art facility yeah it's been massive i mean i know it was it was in the years um been talking about getting it um in here throughout the years and i think i'm lucky enough that my freshman year coming in uh it got put in and i mean that's been just a huge advantage i think it's it gives us such an advantage over teams especially because like when we get into regionals and nationals we start to play teams from further down south and those guys are playing all throughout the year um not really taking any time off and in the past you know we we had a smaller indoor facility but our access to indoor facilities in the winter when those other teams were practicing were pretty minimal so Mm -hmm. we were almost taking a step back from the competition but now i mean we really see it as an opportunity to like get ahead and um, just being able to use just an incredible state-of-the-art facility is just unbelievable. I was in it a couple of days ago, and just every time you go in it, you just still can't believe that it's here at Ferris. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome place. Yeah. It really is. I mean, state-of-the-art facility is an understatement, you can say. I mean, I remember being in there the first time, and I was just like, wow, this is this is pretty incredible. I mean, the golf program's been so great. and glad to see that, especially for competing against those guys that will play down south every year. It's 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 We stress that. Um, not enough as it feels like we should especially at the national level that like being in Michigan doing outdoor stuff is kind of hard to do I know like running in the winter can get a little sketchy because you know sucks, not gonna yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the roads are kind of not great it seems like I, I know everybody can attest to the icy roads that we get in the winter it's not the same as being down in Florida where you got 70 degrees all year round but well they'll shut down school if there's an inch of snow on the ground <laughs> that is yeah, true right. but um obviously um you guys are having a pretty good season um, for the fall, and then obviously the spring season didn't turn out the way that we all expected it to be as COVID did cancel it. I know you guys were down in Florida at a tournament over spring break when the everything was called. Pretty much seemed like in the middle of nowhere. It just came out of nowhere, and everybody had to come home. But what was the feeling like? playing the tournament getting ready for a good campaign after you had a or a second team selection all gliac that's pretty impressive uh what was it like just hearing that the season was just gone yeah you know it was tough and i mean it's 
I kind of felt more for the guys because, I mean, obviously yourself, you can go through a lot of emotions. But I know how how much we were looking forward to competing as a team. And um, I think coming into that year, not a lot of people had high expectations for our team. So I think it was we really wanted to have like a coming out party and kind of proving to people, proving some people wrong um, in the spring. And obviously it didn't work out that way because the season got cut short. But, you know, it's tough. And I think it's we kind of all took it as an opportunity though. You know, you said, you know, we don't get, we don't get this spring, but you know, we thought we were going to have the fall too. Obviously that didn't happen, but, um, yeah, <laughs> we kind of, we kind of took it as, you know, whenever we get that next opportunity, just, I mean, just like in golf, you're just trying to make the, um, make the best of the next opportunity. And I think that's what the same with our team. We all, you know, we were all bummed out, but we kind of said, you know, like this, a lot of teams are maybe going to take this the wrong way, but we're going to choose to take this the right way. And we're going to, keep looking towards the future and just getting better every day because who knows when we're going to be back and playing. Um, but we got to make sure we're ready for that situation. I think our coaching staff and all the players have really bought into that. Um, and I think we've done a good job of, you know, getting ourselves ready and getting our minds ready mm -hmm. um, for whenever we're able to come back. For sure. That's the best way to go. But last question, kind of a fun one. I know Joe has played some of some pretty cool courses, you could say, in the United States. But what is your all-time favorite course you've ever played as a golfer? That's a tough one. So I've I've been I've been lucky. I have gotten to play some cool courses. Um, I've I played um, Pebble Beach. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> a couple a couple of years ago. I mean, that's it's tough to say that's not the top one. Um, we also we actually had a collegiate tournament last fall at uh, Whistling Straits. So that Ooh, was that okay. was a really cool. That's a good one. That was a really cool experience. But I would say my favorite is uh, Torrey Pines. Okay. Believe it or not, like it's it's kind of one of those courses. You know, it was back in it's got a lot of history back in 2008 when Tiger won the U.S. Open there mm -hmm. in the playoff against Rocco. Like just just all the history there, and then um, being in that San Diego area, right on the water. I mean, the, it helped that the weather was just perfect for us when we played it. But that's a course that you kind of can just go through and picture pros hitting every shot, much like Pebble Beach, um, mm -hmm. because you've seen so many tournaments mm -hmm. there, but just the whole experience out. Anywhere in California, I mean, it's you always you always can find great golf out there. Yeah, yeah. dude, that's awesome, because yeah. I, play, I played at TPC Summerlin out oh, in yeah. Vegas. Sure, that's and awesome. And that was the weekend after Bryson won the, uh, yeah. the championship there, and that yeah. was just insane, because, like, I was on the green where he won the game, and it was just like the guy who was riding with us was like, yeah, this is where he was standing, and yeah. he won the game or won the match, and I was like, that's insane. Yeah, it's really cool to like after you play a course or after they after you watch a tournament to kind of go back and like watch the pros do it and say, you know what, like I was in a different spot. Like, oh, it's cool to see like they did that. Most times they're in better spots than <laughs> yeah. than the amateurs yeah. are, but <laughs> but it's it's still kind of cool to be able to go and like relate to mm -hmm. what they're doing and on a on a much smaller level, yeah. but at the same time, you know. and you, and even just like kind of go to the spots where they've hit crazy shots. Yeah. and be like I have no chance. Of yeah, doing that. one mm -hmm. like super cool thing that a lot of courses do is they put plaques down in the fairway in the rough, where like oh so and so hit this famous shot. Like I know out in uh, Chambers Bay when Spieth hit that three wood in the mm -hmm. U.S. Open back in 2015, that was one of the more famous ones. But yeah, they always have a little plaque or something. So oh cool, let's go drop a ball down and see if we can hit that. That's cool. most times. It's, definitely difficult to pull off yeah but, uh, <laughs> but it's fun just to be able to you know try to relate to the pros like it's it's a sport where you don't get many times to play like nfl you don't get many times to play like on the nfl field but mm -hmm. in golf you know you have opportunities to play on the same course that they're that they're doing it at and being able to see where your game can match up against them is really cool yeah it's insane yeah that is really cool but yeah. um speaking of golf Houston Open going to be coming up this weekend starting tomorrow at Memorial Park. Should be really interesting. I mean, this season, obviously, 
no no spectators due to COVID. It's kind of been weird, but I mean, we've thankfully had a professional golf season, which is pretty sweet. Um, this should be really interesting. Obviously, we've talked about guys like Bryson DeChambeau, who's had a fantastic year. I mean, some of the some of the bigger names not doing so hot. Like you mentioned, Jordan Spieth, not not quite his year, and obviously he's still a great golfer, but just not his year, and that stuff happens. But there's a there's a lot coming into this tournament. It can mean a lot to the point standings, and it should be really interesting. I'm like looking at some of the tee times. We got there's some pretty good ones on here. Um, I know that. Um, it looks like. Uh, who was it in here? D- Dustin Johnson and Adam Scott, Tyrell Hatton are on the 12:05 tee time. Um, and then Phil Mickelson, we know Joe loves Phil. Um, the lefty. The lefty um, with Jason Day and Victor Hovland at 12.15. So it should be really interesting. Um, not as many big names in here as I expected. Um, I have not seen Bryson on here yet. I don't know if he's going to sit out there because we do have just the best tournament of the year. The Masters coming up next week. So it'll be interesting who's going to play this one and who's not going into the Masters. But as far as... Who we're looking for, Joe? Who's on your mind coming into this tournament at Memorial Park? I mean, obviously, Phil. He hasn't. I mean, when he was at Wingfoot, he got beat up, didn't make the cut, and he hasn't really been playing as characteristic as we've seen. He's been tearing it up on the Champions Tour. Uh, he's just been winning every time he goes there. But I think that's kind of. He even said that's kind of taken his mind off and kind of made him relax a little bit when he gets on the regular tour because he can gain his confidence back. And I mean, he's got to kind of figure out how to beat these young guys. I mean, he's already saying like. I'm trying to improve my driving, but he's got to catch up to Bryson and Matt Wolf and just a lot of guys who are hitting it 375, 400 yards. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see the the thing I always look at with like the Houston Open, being that it's a week before the Masters, you got like two types of players in there. You got guys who are trying to get into the Masters because mm-hmm. if you win the tournament, you get into the Masters. Yep. And you got guys who are really trying to like sharpen their games up before mm-hmm. the Masters and kind of. Because in golf, like any sport, you want to peak at the right time. Right. So I think you'll see a lot of guys who are trying to like treat this week as like almost like a warm up, but in a mm-hmm. sense, helping themselves peak towards the right time. A name that I really like, and I know that he, I think he had a runner up finish in the Masters last week, but uh, last week, last year. But Tony Fino mm-hmm. is a big, tall guy with yes. a big swing. Um, he's a guy that is definitely should be on people's radars for this week and next week for the Masters. I mean, he's got he's got a ton of game, and I think he's. He hasn't won a lot of tournaments, but once he has that coming out party and once he kind of um, breaks the floodgates, I think he's going to start winning some more. Yeah, Tony Finau is a guy we haven't really talked about. And um, I think one one really thing that stood out about Finau is um, I believe they were playing um, um, in Arizona on the, the famous 16th hole when he had his Kobe jersey on and chipped one. And I think that was one of the coolest moments of the season, I would yeah. say for sure. But he's been really good as well. Um, guys like McElroy. Um, Colin Morikawa has really been a guy that's been really hot as far being a young guy he's not taking anything for granted he's going for gold but it should be I mean having the Masters in November is not something we were going to expect but it should I'm really excited I know a lot of people are really excited for and especially with um, college football that we're going into next that we're going to have college game day at Augusta and that's something I think we never would have expected. (laughs) So that's going to be really fun. Obviously, um, we did talk before the show. We're all Michigan fans here, so we're all in sorrow. But it's not over yet. Maybe the maybe our playoff chances are over yet. But we can still have a good season. But, I mean, this Indiana team, they're pretty tough, man. It's going to be its scary because, obviously, our playoff chances are kind of down the drain, especially since we lose to Michigan State, who's not even ranked. And now we go into Indiana, who I think is like eight or nine more, 
eight or nine spots ahead of us in the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. That's I think they're ten. It, yeah, yep, yeah. 10. It's gonna. It's a it's a team that I'm super scared to play against because when we played against Minnesota, they're a good team, and then we absolutely throttle them. But then when we go play Michigan State, who's just like probably gonna be the new Rutgers in a couple years, we lose. <laughs> we lose by like just a handful of points, and it's just like. Why why can't we just perform when we actually need to? Because like our hopefully we're not as spotty on the offensive line and defensive line because against Michigan or against Minnesota we were playing really well. We were opening up holes for our running backs. We were pressuring the quarterbacks. I mean, I think we had like four sacks and a bunch of force we had I mean the force turnover and a bunch of uh pressures in the pocket to kind of uh force Minnesota to kind of I mean, get incompletions and stuff like that. But when we go to Michigan, it's like we can't. Or Michigan State, we can't even do anything. So for Indiana, I mean, they beat a very good Penn State team. So they're mm-hmm. not. Any, they're not a team to shake a stick at. And if we don't come to play, then we're gonna be sorry for it. Yeah, I think that is definitely something. Like Indiana, I know. Like I talked a lot about them being a sleeper team coming up this year, and it was. It was come. It's kind of cool to see that my pick was right, but I don't want it to. I don't want it to stay right for this week. Obviously, I th- I think Michigan should come out guns a blazing. They got nothing to lose anymore, really, and it's just it's sad because we know how much Harbaugh means to this team and this organization. This is where he wants to be, and I, like people are talking about, fire him. We need somebody else. Even bringing in a guy like Luke Fickle has been on the radar, but. I mean, he's got Ohio roots, it seems like. I mean, he coached at Ohio State. I think anybody that coached at Ohio State just disregards Michigan as an as an existence. So, But Indiana's team overall, like, obviously, the win against Penn State, go either way. Did they win? Did they not? It was a controversial ending. But in the end, they still, they still won the game, and there was opportunities Penn State had to close it, and they didn't. So then they took care of business um, last week at Rutgers. And now they're going to have to defend their home turf against Michigan. And I think one of the guys we need to really um, pay attention to is um, their running back, Scott. He's been a big part of them. He's had 41 carries, 138, two TDs. And what he's done on the ground um, has been not necessarily Heisman candidate. He's not looking like a Chubba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. He's not going to be in the front running for the Heisman. Well, what he's doing is he's setting up play action for all their their quarterback and he's been really he's been really good at setting up for Indiana because I mean he's only had it seems like a couple yard he's averaging right now 3.7 yards per carry which isn't not bad but it's not it's not something you're you're normally seeing I mean both games he's had 20 touches at least 50 yards he had two touchdowns against Penn State none last week but I think if we can stop that run defense and we can just not play man-to-man the whole game and get shredded on the outsides, I think we'll be in better shape because obviously Michigan State is a much better passing team on paper than Indiana is. But obviously this team's going to be really good. So we'll. I'm looking forward to this weekend, but I'm really keeping my hopes up as long as you can. Yeah, I mean, I thought Michigan, they protected against Michigan State's run um, run offense pretty well. Oh, yeah, and I think sure. like I think like one thing that I saw between the Michigan and um, excuse me, the Minnesota and Michigan State game. It's just like the energy. Like I think from like the opening snap, there was mm-hmm. just a completely different energy on the Michigan offense and defense. I mean, they had. I, I know it's it's kind of a new crew coming in. Um, these they lost quite a bit last year, but I don't know if it was just not stepping up in a rivalry game or what. But I think I think they're going to see Indiana as a pretty big opportunity to kind of get their names back into that um, back into that playoff contention. I mean, I know we're kind of. Little, little out of it now. We'll see, but I mean, you never know. There's a long season, a lot of games left. 
Um, so I think they bring up that energy and they, they keep it going. They can, they can do some damage against Indiana. It surprised a lot of people. All I got to say is we got to, st- we actually, we got to pick it up this week or we're going to have a tough go. I mean, we got Wisconsin next weekend. I mean, we got Rutgers, which will probably be a win, but I mean, we can never be so sure. <laughs> I mean, Michigan State, they were thought they were going to get a win. Theoretically, we yeah. should lose <laughs> to Rutgers. I mean, <laughs> Penn State, Maryland, and then Ohio State. So we got some pretty tough games coming up. And I mean, if we don't step up soon, if we don't get it going, then uh, we're probably going to be out of at least a conference championship yeah. uh, talks at all. So, um, yeah, we need to win out to get into the conference championship. Yeah. We must. That That's the only way I can see. And I mean, Wisconsin on paper right now, they're not they're a top 10 team, but they really aren't because they're going to have three weeks off and not have their starting quarterback. So that's going to be a big difference to how Wisconsin's identity looks, and they're going to have to make some changes. So that game will look a lot closer on paper as of now, especially after us losing to Michigan State, for crying out loud. No, I'm still mad about that, but I'm, I need to get over it because I'm a big boy. But, I mean, and just looking at the Big Ten in general, I think this is pretty crazy to think about. Um, I was talking to somebody last night. Um, that Northwestern and Purdue are right now 2-0 and in the Big Ten, and Penn State and Iowa are 0-2. If you would have told me that Can't two years ago, I would have said How? you are absolutely crazy. <laughs> but that's just the reality, man. Starting schedules, just the way that the COVID season worked, it's just been that way. But for Michigan, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Joe Milton responds. He had a little bit of an off week last week, obviously. Didn't throw the football as efficiently. He's really showing that he still needs that touch to be a very good quarterback and a, well, definitely competing up there with the great ones in the, the college circuit. But I think we just – the running game was absent last week. I think if we can get that back on track, we're going to be in pretty good shape. Michigan State did a great job of bottling up the run, especially early in the game. And even their pass rush was pretty good. I mean, give Mel Tucker credit. He got his guys ready to play, and that was – it's frustrating getting out coached, but that's just the reality of what happened last week. But we get guys going like Charbonnet, Haskins. We s- sprinkle in some Corum and Giles Jackson. I think we'll be in some. We'll be in pretty good shape, receivers wise. We got good guys as far as young guys. We got Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson. They're doing a great job. Ronnie Bell obviously is probably our guy. If uh, if any of them are, it's probably going to be him. So the place kicking situation though does scare me a little bit because obviously Moody was the guy last year but I mean he's now 0 for 3 on the year in field goals and so we're going to be relying on Quinn Nordine who we know his yeah. inconsistencies he's got some de- he's got some demons in his head right now yeah he's, <laughs> he's got a leg but he can't yeah. he can't yeah. control it really. whenever you watch him kick and you watch the spin it's literally different every single yeah. time and that scares the crap out of me cuz Moody it's like yep he's going to he's going to hit it straight up and down it's just left to right is it going to go cuz he's got the leg but It'll be interesting. I hope Michigan wins. Um, Same after last week, I think we all do. We need we need help. We need hope for this season. But um, somebody that does not need hope so far this year, you could say, is Clemson. But now they're going to need a little bit of help this week. Is they're going to take on Notre Dame without their man, myth legend, Trevor Lawrence? And last week. They looked pretty shaky against Boston College. So is this going to be a game where Notre Dame pulls off an upset? It's going to be trouble for the boys from Death Valley. Let me just say that. It's going 
if I mean, without Trevor Lawrence, we already saw what they were able to do last week. They had to rely on ATN way too much, I feel like, to just even get scores. And, I mean, he's good enough to rely on against a team like Boston College. But Notre Dame, I mean, a 6-0 and team, you can't just rely on that one on just ETN because Trevor Lawrence brought something that, like, not a lot of teams have. And it just shows you how good Trevor Lawrence actually is and how just of an incredible quarterback, just from freshman year to now, how when he's not there, you don't have the deep ball, you don't have a – a consistent pass, passing offense. You have to rely on the run now. And if they, if Notre Dame can just shut down the run and shut down ATN, that's going to be a huge, huge asset that's just going to be thrown out the window for Clemson that they need to figure out what they're going to do because if their offensive line isn't there, then, I mean, it's, all, it's basically game over. Yeah, it was a weird situation. I mean, their backup quarterback probably goes from not thinking he's going to play the whole season to all of a sudden in a couple days span when Lawrence tested positive for COVID, he's kind oh. of thrown into the kind of yeah. thrown into the he's position like, and all right, go ahead, We're yeah, do all right, your team now. Yeah. I think it's like a big. You can see it too. I thought their offense was decent. I mean, obviously the backup quarterback for Clemson, he's gonna he's a good player. Like he can yeah. play. If you're mm-hmm. playing for a number one ranked team, yeah, you're gonna no be matter good. what yeah. string you are, you're gonna be good. Yeah, defensively, it seemed like they were a little shaky. Um, you know, but it's it's one of those things where when your starting quarterback and your leader kind of goes out, the whole confidence of your team kind of changes. And I think that was one big thing um, with Clemson. It's just like every move they made and every play they were running, it just seemed like they had a little doubt in their mind. And that was kind of the difference that Boston College kind of sniffed that out and just said, you know what, we're just going to take advantage of that and we're going to we're gonna get after them. But yeah, then, and the crazy part about that is, is just to think of like how that effect has been on them, how Trevor Lawrence had that effect on Clemson since he started. Because, I mean, not a lot of guys can come in as a true freshman and lead to a national championship and then keep that up. I mean, Sam Ellinger, when he was a freshman, I mean, obviously they didn't win a national championship, but they had that good run, and now they've fallen off because, I mean, he's just not as good as Trevor Lawrence. And, I mean, Jake Fromm, when he was a quarterback and he led them to a national championship, he's fallen off. But Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. has stayed consistent throughout his whole college career, and that's just something insane. And especially now, like you said, where they're starting quarterback, their leader's gone. That's a huge effect, especially when he's that good and especially when he has had that effect for so long and he's gained that trust. Yeah, and, I mean, looking as far as having – um, Ian Book for Notre Dame has not been the same guy he was a couple of years ago. He was not real. He wasn't that when he re- originally when Ian Book replaced, I believe it was. Um, oh, I forgot his name off the top of my head. Um, it was like Winslow or something like something like that. I'll have to yeah. look it up. But when Ian Book got his opportunity and came in, he was red hot and he was taking this team to new places. And then the last couple, of, or the last two years, he's been kind of shaky. But looking into this game, like. Without Trevor Lawrence, obviously you're going to be looking at Travis Etienne a lot more, and he's been very good. He's already had 606 yards and nine touchdowns this season. But Kyron Williams on the other side, pretty identical number, 600 yards, seven TDs. Both teams run the ball really well, both teams averaging over 150 yards rushing each game. And then passing, obviously, Clemson, when you have Trevor Lawrence throwing for 340 a game, 350 a game, that can really change the dynamic. But, I mean, when you got... You've got a backup quarterback in there. Things can really change, and it'll be it'll be really interesting to see. The one thing that I'm a little concerned about as far as Notre Dame is, because I've obviously displayed my displeasures of them being a top-five team, which I think they're a great team nonetheless. Um, top-five, yeah, I, I don't know. But, is that Notre Dame? Yes. Yeah, they don't, they don't even deserve to be, like, top-eight. Really? Oh, I don't okay. think so. Okay, I would put them right at about, like, eight or whatever, because, I mean, they've still – grinded out games and the thing that bothers me is like i'm i remember watching the pit game and for the most part of that game they were struggling against pit moving the ball up and down the field they really had two plays 
two plays that really broke them away that ended up leading to the win. It, I mean, it was back and forth for it seemed like the whole first half, and there was no ball movement from them. They they ended up making two big plays, and they should really, really, I mean, really thank their tight end for helping them out for that. Um, I, or Ben Skronek, I should say. Um, they they should really give him some like cookies in the locker room or whatever, because I mean he was really the reason that they ended up winning that game, as he had two huge catches down the field. And I mean the dude's huge. I mean he's pretty much. It seems he's not a Megatron type guy, but he's got that presence physically to make plays. And I mean he go he went up and grabbed the uh, grabbed the ball over two defenders, somehow brought it down and ran in the end zone. That ended up getting the fourteen nothing lead. And I mean that was really the difference because in the second half they kind of. If they didn't have that, it would have been really interesting to see if Pitt could have pulled off the upset. But, I mean, obviously the game ended 45-3. to But, I mean, I'm saying that Notre Dame is a good team, but it takes a lot for them to get going. And I think that's something that we're going to have to watch against Clemson because, I mean, statistically, we if you're a Notre Dame fan, you don't want me to bring this up, but the college football playoff game, yeah, we, we can just leave it at that. They're, they have not performed well in great games in the past, and that's something I'm a little concerned about. But it'll be really interesting to see as we go into another big game coming up here. We got number eight Florida against number five Georgia, an SEC showdown. And both these teams playing pretty good football right now. Both teams have one loss. They're both pretty quality losses in my book. So it'll be it should be a really good game. I feel like all these SEC games can always turn out to be some sort of weird upset type of vibe. But they're really like either team wins. It's a quality loss, but in their, both their books, quality loss is not going to be good enough to go where they want to go. No, definitely. I mean, Florida they've played actually pretty well, um, especially kind of their their player the teams that they've had to play so far. I mean, although they played Mississippi, Mississippi's always a pretty tough team down south as well as South Carolina. I mean, they're not usually ranked, but I mean, Helinski last year led them to a pretty good run, and then this year, I forget who their quarterback is this Drask. year. Yeah, Drask, mm-hmm. but he's he's been playing pretty well too, and I mean, their defense, they've been giving up a pretty solid amount of points lately, um, especially just kind of going through, uh, I mean, South Carolina, they scored 24, Mississippi scored 35, Texas A&M scored 41, and Missouri scored 17, so if they can step it up against Georgia, who's a good offense, who's going to be able to capitalize on um, some mistakes on the defensive side, if they can step it up, I feel like they got the game, but it's just going to be defense for them because they can score points clearly. I mean, I think they have close to already 300, 400 points on the year, but it's going to come down to if their defense can do it. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, two teams, you know, pretty close in proximity, and it's uh, it'll be fun to see. I got family in Florida and some friends in Georgia, and just the rivalry down there is just heated. And it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be fun to see. Um, it's probably nothing compared to Michigan-Ohio State, but, you know, it's a, it's a close second. But it's uh, it'll, it'll that's, the, that's the biggest rivalry in all college football. No question. Oh, sports, yeah. And it's it's going to be fun to see uh, which team can kind of step up to the plate and uh, produce in the rivalry because obviously they're pretty closely ranked uh, in terms of talent wise. I'd I'd say they're pretty close too. But you know that that energy of a rivalry game, and I'm not sure where it's played. Is it? F- it's in Florida. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. Florida. So I think probably. No, it's in Georgia. What? Yeah, Florida, Georgia. Think either yeah either either spot I mean, either, they'll probably, either one yeah they'll have, they'll probably have some attendance um, attendance there which will kind of amp it up a little more something we haven't seen a lot where some fans rooting um, rooting for the teams but you know it, it'll be good I just want excited to see uh, which team kind of step up to the plate and and produce yeah and it should be one thing like 
Florida's offense is very good. Their defense has been a little shaky, and that's what's caused them to be. Um, that's what did end up having them lose to A&M, and they've given up some points this year. I mean, they gave up 24 to South Carolina, 35 to Mississippi. So those are kind of question marks. But, I mean, Georgia, Georgia's offense sometimes has been stagnant. I mean, Alabama, they really couldn't get anything going, but that Alabama defense is very good. Um, I mean, they only scored 27 on Auburn. That defense isn't great. But, I mean, there's times where Georgia has struggled, especially in big games, and that's going to happen. Um, but in right in my mind right now, this is Georgia's game to lose. I don't think – I think Georgia has an overall – like you said, talent-wise, both these teams are fantastic. I like Georgia's coaching just a little bit more. I'm a Dan Mullen fan, but defensively, they it kind of looks like a – it's almost like an – I wouldn't say a full Ohio State-Michigan type look on paper, but it's like Georgia's always that – literally that team that's always going to be very rock solid on both sides of the ball where Florida has that that one side of the ball that's looking oh that's looking pretty good like offensively they look fantastic but defensively it's a little, a little shaky, shaky you know shaky. so it, it it almost looks like it would be an old-fashioned like two years ago we're talking Patriots versus Chiefs is really kind of what this makes me remind me of Georgia classic New England both sides of the ball get it done play right way fundamentals where Florida's out here slinging the ball 34 times, making plays, throwing for 400 yards, and but that keeps them in it. So it'll be really fun to see. I'm looking forward to it. As we now move over into the NFL, we'll start off right away. Let's get it over with. Is Detroit going to win this week, Joe? Yes. I agree. Let's go. We're going to be 4-4. Four and four. I'm looking forward Big to wins. it. Yeah, I, I am legitimately concerned, though, because last week our defense looked atrocious. That was last week. Last week. New page this week. Well, I, like, I am. I like I am, where your head's at, Joe. I'm, I like it. Yeah, I'm optimistic for each week. I'm probably gonna get disappointed as <laughs> always, but I'm optimistic nonetheless. I mean, Vikings came off a huge win against the Packers. That's scary, but also primetime Kirk Cousins doesn't. Lightning doesn't strike twice, and I don't think uh, Kirk Cousins is gonna be able to finish the job, especially since they lose to the Falcons a week earlier. So I'm pretty. I'm pretty confident, especially with the way Matt Stafford. He's been pretty consistent. I think he's gonna have another breakout game pretty soon. I mean, hey, if we win, we're probably not going to be last in in the division for a second year in a row. So, or for our, not a second year, but we were last last year. So it'll be a new new leaf, new leaf. That's new what leaf. I'm <laughs> it'll be a new leaf. Now, grab that piece of paper. Write down. Primetime Kirk Cousins is not primetime Kirk Cousins no. anymore. His nickname should be deleted and thrown away because he's not not a good. great player in Kirk, big games anymore. Kirk not been good anymore. Since MSU Cousins. Ouch. That should that should be his nickname. <laughs> that should be his nickname. I think I think Stafford's gonna want to kind of prove something too. You know, I mean, for him being what is this, his twelfth year, eleventh year in the league, mm-hmm. and just not doing, not having much success with the team. I think he he's looking at this year as a real opportunity to kind of try to prove something. I know they're mm-hmm. in a not a great spot in their division, but you know, there's there's still some opportunities. A lot of football left, and with the with the way the NFL is going this year i mean you just never know like we saw Bengals upset the titans last like it's just mm-hmm. you just never know this year with um the amount of games how it's going to play out so i think they're really looking at each game as an opportunity i i think he's going to i think he's going to have a good game i think their wide receiving core is going to have a lights out game i think they're mm-hmm. going to really produce and Hopefully Swift will get some more touches and get some get some breakout runs going. Yes. You're preaching to the choir here. Yes, more <laughs> Swift touches, please. I'm, I'm, it's going to be – I mean, I'm just hoping that 
Detroit just does something this week. Because, I mean, with the extra playoff spot, that's a real opportunity for us to do something. It is. Because, I mean, this game is going to be a make or break. If not, we're going to have to get two games back and then try to go on a little bit of a run. But this one, if we get the win, a little bit of insurance, and we'll be able to kind of go into next week a little bit more comfortable and, I mean, try to do something. But, I mean, we play we play Washington next week. So it'll probably be a pr- easy dub, but also not an easy uh, dub. I don't say it or knock on the, the wood door just, right you there, just, you, just never, I, you just never know what the don't, line is. <laughs> don't get too quick. But the thing that does, obviously, that should frighten all Detroit fans is interior defense because we're going to face Dalvin Cook this week, who ran over Green, Green Bay last week. So that is a very big concern. I mean, we have Danny Shelton. We have guys like John Penasini. The draft pick's been playing a lot this year. It's really good to see. Um, our defensive pressure, uh, we're, we're bringing pressure. We got Flowers. We got we got Deshaun Hand. We can bring pass pr- pressure on Cousins. If we can keep, keep blitzing, we'll be in good shape. But I think that's going to – that could set up Dalvin Cook even more. So we just need to really stay tight. If we need to play seven in the box the whole game, that's what we need to do to stop. Because I trust us being able to – We if we can stop Dalvin Cook, we're going to be in pretty good shape because that will set up our defense. But we just can't let Dalvin Cook have a field day or it's going to be a really long night. But, no. I mean, offensively, the wide receiver core without Kenny Galladay is still a really good receiving core. I mean, you still got Marvin Jones there. We might see some Quintez Cephas if he plays. Uh, he hasn't played the last two games, so obviously because Galladay's been the main guy. But Marvin Hall had some pretty big catches last week, so that would be interesting to see, especially with Danny Amendola in there too. Um, Hawkinson is honestly one of Gall- – or not Galladay, Stafford's favorite target so far outside of Galladay. So it'll be really interesting to see. I'm looking forward to this passing attack. Running-wise, get Swift the ball, please, in space, please. Please, please. I'm asking. I'm really asking nicely, but it'll it'll be interesting to see as we move into the next game. Actually, going to be happening tomorrow. Just mentioned Green Bay. They're going to be taking on San Francisco this week on Thursday night football. First good Thursday night football game. Yeah, it actually is. It's going to be exciting. Um, I mean, on paper, this this game has some legendary significance. Both these franchises are fantastic. Um, last time these two teams met. Um, uh, was actually, I believe, in the NFC Championship game. Don't give me a... F- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was the NFC Championship Thinking game. Thinking back on it, yeah. Yeah, 49ers won 37-20. It was a pretty good game for um, Jimmy G, who is not going to be playing this week because of an injury. So that could be a little bit of a factor in this game. They're going to be rolling with Nick Mullins again. But for San Francisco, really what they need to do... It's just not practice at all during the week. Keep their guys healthy <laughs> and just play the game with healthy players. And if they can do that, they'll be in good shape. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their schedule, I mean, they've had some pretty tough losses and they've had some like pretty good wins. I mean, against the Eagles, they lose to the Eagles, but then like a week, two weeks after they beat the Rams and then they uh, beat the Patriots and then they, I mean, they've just had a rough go of it so far. They've had. Some wins that they should have had, and then they just lose. And then they've had some losses that they should have had, but then they just come out and win. So it's very unpredictable for them. Packers, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is going to want to come back from a loss against Minnesota. A very tough loss at that, especially since they were the heavy favorites going into the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to – I think he's going to let the guys know, like, all right, time to step up and, like, let's get it going. And, like, we can't lose two weeks in a row or else, I mean, we're going to have a really good spot in the playoffs or else it's going to be gone. And, I mean – Especially with a second-string quarterback for the Niners against, I mean, legendary Hall of Famer or future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be a tough go of it. 
Yes, definitely. I think like Packers, I would say for most guys or for most people were on the radar for, okay, we got Super Bowl contenders, like everything going into the season. And they kind of, kind of showed they were human last week against the Vikings. And I think moving forward, you know, I, I'd imagine that their, that their confidence is back. I mean, like you said, you got Aaron Rodgers leading the team. There's not many better guys to do it than him. And I think going up against maybe a little inexperienced quarterback um, for the Niners that we might see some we might see some big momentum shifts and we might see the Packers kind of get their season back and going. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you never know. It should be a good game. Yeah, it should be a really good game. I'm looking forward. Is to it, it at is it at Lambeau? Um, I believe it's at uh, San Fran. San Fran. Okay. Yep. But I mean, after their first loss of the season for Green Bay, that drubbing at Tampa Bay came right back and pretty much took care of the Texans handily. So that'll be very interesting to see if they can bounce back like they did earlier at Week Six. So it'll be it'll be fun to see. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the 49ers just got rid of Quan Alexander, um, shipped him to uh, New Orleans, I believe. So they're gonna have some new guys playing in there at linebacker. So it should be w- interesting to see how fast they adjust. But it's going to be a good game. I'm really looking forward to a finally a good yeah, like you Thursday said, night. finally a good Thursday night game. Finally a good Thursday night football game. But moving on into the next one, we're previewing. We got a good one a nfc south showdown saints and buccaneers tom brady drew Brees gonna battle it out this one is probably definitely my game of the week sunday night football nothing getting better than two hall of famers going at it right now tampa bay looks pretty darn good two hall of famers that are a little bit past their prime i'm excited because past their prime you can't say that Tom Brady's in his prime right I'm now. Kidding. You can't say that Drew Brees is in his prime right now. I'm kidding. I'm it's just kidding. I'm, go on. I was I'm just excited. I it's gonna be weird because Saints have not been playing like Saints have been able to play in the past couple of years. And I don't know if it's just because Michael Thomas has been gone a little bit, or if it's because Drew Brees is getting a little bit older, or if Alvin Kamara has something to do with it. I have no clue. But it's kind of coming down to the fact where they got to figure something out quicker, that else their their playoff hopes are going to be gone. And I mean, Tampa Bay, they've been rolling pretty pretty well. Tom Brady mm-hmm. has been connecting with Gronk a little bit more. He's getting a little bit more playing time. His wide receiver core is going to be scary. I think this is the first week that uh, Antonio Brown's going to be can back. Play this week. That's there. It's just unfair of how good their wide receivers are going to be. And I mean, with those assets coming into the game, I think Tom Brady's going to be able to pretty handily win this one. If the Saints somehow can be able to kind of just rally and make it close, I feel like that's going to be the only way that they're going to be able to win because I don't think Drew Brees has what it takes this year to take down Tom Brady and that Buccaneers team because their defense has been playing really well, kind of bailing Tom Brady out a couple times in different games. And, I mean, if they can do that this week, especially with Tom Brady being able to roll on offense, it's going to be it's a scary combination that's just going to lead to a Buccaneers win. Yeah, I'd say Tom Brady is one of those guys, you know, I compare to like, tiger like michael jordan where it's like once they get in a groove watch out because i mean mm-hmm. they, he is going to be he's going to be i think he's going to come back with another good game i mean he's been in a good spot i think he's really starting to develop some more trust on the team i think like early on you know moving from a long career with the patriots to a, a new team with the buccaneers you know developing that trust even though he's a great great quarterback obviously like just getting getting the trust between his guys you know kind of seemed a little shaky at first but i think they're all really bought into the system that they have going on and I think he's gonna he's gonna keep producing and it'll be it'll be interesting to see though I think the fun thing with two great quarterbacks like that is that you know they have that gear to go to and I think it's going to be interesting to see if kind of Drew Brees um, steps up to the task and see if he can kind of put it into that that extra gear that we know he has and um, have a good game himself but 
I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a, a fireworks show in terms of points. I think I think we'll see a lot of points thrown up there. Yeah, I would agree with Real that. Real barn burner. Yeah. Barn burner. <laughs> yes. Um it I mean, looking at the Saints first win against Tampa Bay in week 1, 34-23 in the dome. That was kind of a rough game for the Buccaneers. They were still trying to figure out what they had and what they could use. But I mean, from then on, they've looked kind of shaky. I mean, losing back to back to Vegas and Green Bay, almost blowing it against the Lions. That would have been insane. They barely squeak out the Chargers. Then they barely squeak out the Panthers. And they barely squeak out the Bears. For them, it's if you're going to make a legitimacy for you going to the Super Bowl, you got to start turning it up. And you got to start turning it up right now. They have to get going and they have to be playing solid football they have to take care of tampa bay get a momentum swing and move on because obviously they're still gonna be in a run for that extra seventh playoff spot yeah. but if they want to get higher they're gonna have to start winning now because there's been some other teams like we're looking right now at seattle and then possibly team like arizona or la moving up so i don't know if san fran's gonna get up there in the west it's kind of but then you look at a team like the either the Bears or the Packers, whoever doesn't come out of the NFC North, that can push down. So if you're if you are the Saints, you got to start now. It's got to start with this game on Sunday Night Football. So they got to move on. I mean, Kamara's been very nice for my fantasy team, but he's been very nice for the Saints. He's been producing really well. He's been their main guy, no question about it. Without Michael Thomas there, so if Michael Thomas returns, then. It would be pretty interesting to see if him against the Antonio Brown, the battle of newly adjusted receivers, but it should be really fun. But the one thing I, I kind of wanted to make note of is, like, we know Tampa Bay has a great defense statistically. They're fantastic. They've been on reasons why Buccaneers have won some games. It's not all because of Tom Brady. Tom Brady's great, but there's been some games where the defense has won. But don't forget that this Saints defense is actually ranked higher right now in the power rankings defensively. They're fifth compared to Tampa Bay's seventh. So don't sleep on that defense either. They know how to make turnovers. It's just can they get it done on the road? That's going to be the question. I mean, it's weird because even though the Saints are 5-2, and two, it just is an uncharacteristic season. Because I feel like it seems like they should be like 2-5 and five or 3-4 and four because they haven't been playing as good as they have been in the past couple years. And, I mean, they still have a very solid defense. It's going to be two good defenses, like you said, Brandon, showing up against each other. But, I mean, it just comes down to if New Orleans Saints can go back to what they were last year, the years before, because, I mean, it's just a weird, it's a weird sight to see, especially since it's kind of, and it's especially weird, like I just said, it's weird that they're 5-2 because they don't seem like that. But it's going to come down to if they can really step it up, shut down that wide receiving core, like I said earlier, but it's gonna, it's just a weird game, especially against these two really good quarterbacks. Yeah, speaking of 5-2, and two, we got a battle of two of them. On Sunday, Baltimore and Indianapolis. Baltimore obviously coming off of that heartbreaking loss to Pittsburgh. No no worse team to lose to than Pittsburgh in a close game. And then you got Indianapolis, who took care of business against Detroit. I'll say it. They, they, I'll say they, it. They beat us. <laughs> but it should be really good. I mean, the Colts' defense has been pretty solid this year. They're statistically ranked number one in um, least amount of yards and least amount of points per game. So it's going to be really interesting to see because Baltimore's defense is pretty good too. Their offense put up 400-plus yards last week. they got to hold on to the football and keep it in their hands if they really want to be. Because, I mean, that's really the reason they lost to Pittsburgh. They had much more opportunities to win that game, and they just could not keep the ball in their hands. 
So that's going to be something that they can change. But last time these two teams met, Joe, it was a barn burner. It was 20 to 19. So it could be, well, does that qualify as a barn burner? I think a barn burner is like 30 points each team. Okay, yeah. That, it was still a close game nonetheless. But. Yeah, it'll it'll still be a good team, good game. At Indianapolis, should be really fun. I mean, this is a game. The thing about Lamar is we love what Lamar does on the field. He's fantastic. He's changing the game of quarterback position, and it's really fun to see. But big games, he's he's kind of been like Michigan, not going to lie. He's kind of not shown up for a couple of those games. He's been, it's been rough. So, I mean, last week he had the two interceptions, crucial moments. He, they just He's just got to step up to the big stage. He hasn't beaten Pat yet. He hasn't beat any of these other good teams really yet. He's got to get it going. And if he wants to be a legitimate MVP candidate back-to-back, he's got to start now, and he's got to start taking this team to new heights. Definitely. I mean, it's kind of like we're seeing of him in the playoffs last year. He kind of fell off a little bit. And, I mean, against these big teams and big games, he hasn't been playing as well as he ha- as he should have been, especially like like we saw at Steelers. He kind of played a little bit lackluster. But this Indianapolis Colts team is going to be another great defense that he has to face off against. And, I mean, if he just plays anything like we're used to having having seen him play, where he's shifty, he can make moves with the ball, he can make running. If he can kind of super, uh, separate this Colts defense into kind of not knowing what he's going to be able to do, if he's going to throw, run, hand the ball off, I think that they're going to be in control. But it's going to come down to if um, if Lamar can kind of just play like he does. If he can play, I mean, just like that mobile quarterback, just kind of changing the game like he already has. If he can play like that, then I think it's a it's a wrap for it's a wrap for the Colts. Yeah, I, I think it's really he's he's a cool quarterback to watch because we obviously know he has the talent. We obviously know he has kind of the skill set to be a great quarterback. But one thing we haven't really seen, like you guys have touched on, is like his leadership ability. It's like mm-hmm. once he gets in those big games under the bright lights, like is he going to fold or is he going to kind of step up? And I think it'll. This is a great game for. Her. I mean. The way I look at these two teams, you got the Ravens, who are kind of you're more flashy, like run the ball a lot. You got a lot of um, quarterback options, and the Colts are just kind of like a tough man. Like we're just gonna bury you and just tough you out the whole game. I'm a huge Jonathan Taylor fan, so mm, I'm really, I'm yeah. really interested to see how he's gonna play against this Ravens defense. I think we saw a little bit of it um, against the Lions last week, but mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite running backs to watch at Wisconsin. And just now that he's in the pros, he's a He's a baller for sure. Yeah, and it was really interesting last week. I, they, I believe Indianapolis came out and said that he had some sort of minor ankle issue, and that's why he got out-snapped last week by Jordan Wilkins, which was really surprising. I yeah. thought Taylor was going to eat her defense alive, it seemed like, at times. But he didn't end up playing the whole game. But, I mean, when you got Naheem Himes running through everybody and doing backflips in the end zone, <laughs> I guess you don't need Taylor that's for true, that That's true, that's true. So, I mean, what athleticism. That yeah. was just cool, but... For Indianapolis right now, their offense looked really good against Detroit. Now, granted, it is Detroit. It is Detroit. <laughs> so, if they can produce something like that and Phillip Rivers can be what he did on Sunday, he can. they can come out on top and they can really give Ravens run for their money. They can win this game because Baltimore, if they can't step up and win these games, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. And we've seen Phillip Rivers take over some close games. He did it a lot both for the San Diego Chargers and so far with Indianapolis too. So, it'll be really interesting to see. And we're looking forward to that game. But the final game we have um, looking forward to this week is going to be a good one. The Bears and the Titans. Both teams have high records, but not high playing style right now. They're both struggling. Bears coming off of what should have been a win against the Saints that turned into a loss. And then you got Tennessee coming off of a loss to Joe Burrow's Bengals. 
Oh boy. This this could... how <laughs> we say that a lot on the show. Just how when it comes to the NFL, I don't. Joe, I don't know. How is I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what to say about this game because it's just so on paper. It's so evenly good and bad. I don't like both these teams are playing pretty similar right now. Tennessee was a really good team and now dropping They're kind two, of starting to fall enough. Dropping two games in a row and now they're looking a little downhill losing they're looking to Cincinnati. Like the Bills. Looking like the Bills. I mean, would the Bills Titans be a better game than the Bears Titans? I mean, kind of, but with the Bears, like, yeah. the Bears it's weird because like they shouldn't even be five and three. They should be more like three and five, or even two and like six. Because to be honest, they're not very good. For some reason, they've just squeaked out this good season. Uncharacteristic, might I add, because they're not a good team. People can say, people can say like, "Oh, this is a new year. Nick Foles is like leading this team." No, you just had lucky wins. I mean, you some. I mean, you beat the Lions because the Lions are just the Lions, and we always choke big leads. And somehow you've gotten some other big wins that I have no. Literally, I have no clue because science tells me that, like, you shouldn't have won that game, but you did. And come up to Titans. Titans, how, I don't know how they lose to the Bengals, especially with how bad that defense is and how bad that offensive line is. And just, they couldn't get any pressure on Burrow somehow. No clue. And honestly, if Derrick Henry can just make it, a, can just get past Cleo Mack and they shut down Cleo Mack, there's no chance because Cleo Mack's, like, basically what makes his team. He's the guy that basically leads them to being basically in the game because Nick Foles – yeah, he's good. They've had some success on the offensive side, but as long as they shut down Cleo Mack, that's just going to be a floodgate that's just going to open for Derrick Henry and for uh, Ryan Tannehill, and they're just going to run run the field on the defense. Yeah, Cleo Mack's one of those guys, I kind of call him like a spark plug. He's one of those guys that, like, you know, once he can just change things in an instant. Yes, instant. And, if, and if, you can, if you can shut him down and make sure he never didn't spark or turn on, like, I think that can be a huge game changer. Um, it'll be interesting to see, kind of like you said, um yeah last week i mean we'll see if they can they had a little rough start but we'll see if against the titans this week they'll see if they can kind of i guess do it over the whole um whole entirety of the game uh mm-hmm. the bears are just a team that like you said just kind of squeak it out all season but mm-hmm. against a power i should say a powerhouse but against a good team like the titans um they'll need to kind of have it on the whole game from the opening kickoff to the end and i think it'll be a huge test um I don't know. I, they have to be so non-confident about their quarterback situation right now. It's oh. like I don't know what they were doing with we Foles and Trubisky. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We passed on it's Mahomes and Watson for and traded up for Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. <laughs> it's weird because, like, well, you can just see in the Bears' record, they beat bad teams. But when it came to good teams, they only have – I think they were, like, one in three. I mean, they lost to the Saints, lost to the Rams. They beat the Buccaneers somehow. I have no clue. But they lose, lose to the Colts as well. So – so, I mean, it's just like, it's weird. It's funny because people are like, oh, Bears are a different team. But it's like, you beat teams you're supposed to beat. I mean, the Lions, as much as I hate to say, you should beat the Lions. We're not super great. No, but, we should have won that game. I mean, we should have no, won I'm that game. Gonna, we no, should have won. Talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. Forget about it. We should have won the game. That's all we're going to say. But, yep. I mean, against team, uh, you can't argue. You can't argue with me that the Lions, I mean, we're, we're a historically bad team. You should. Sure. There's a good chance that you should beat us. But when it came to good teams, they haven't been able to produce. And I don't think they're going to be able to produce against the Titans, especially for how, I mean, they're coming off a hard loss against the Bengals. They're going to want to be able to get that back. They want to get in the playoff race, too. And, I mean, they're, they're a team who wants to continue that run that they had last year of basically just being the underdog, being a surprise team that went all the way, I think it was to the uh, champion. No, not, 
to the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if they can come back to that, they want to get back to that, and I think the Bears are going to be what's stopping them. I don't think they, they're going to have the, the talent or the options to basically uh, stop Derrick Henry and stop Ryan Tannehill and keep that uh, Titans offense in check. Yeah, I mean, the the Bears' defensive line is pretty pretty good, and then you add Khalil Mack, obviously, it makes it a whole different ball game. But, I mean, Tennessee, when you got Derrick Henry on your team, is always a good person to have. But one thing I'm really interested to see is how Ryan Tannehill adjusts to that defense because Chicago has a much more aggressive um, defensive back group. They're really good at getting interceptions, really getting good at turnovers like we saw with Eddie Jackson. Those guys are playmakers. They're ballers. They can really make stuff happen in the secondary. But it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see because, like, I mean, last week with the, the Bengals game, their offense was just like, yeah, it was okay. Like Tannehill was eighteen of thirty for two thirty-three, two touchdowns a pick. That's not anything extraordinary. It's just Burrow and the the Bengals made more plays. Giovanni Bernard, T. Higgins, those guys made plays. And I mean, Auden Tate had a fantastic day. He pretty much shredded that that secondary somehow, which is really good. And you know, they they figured out a way to they figured out a way to get into that Titans secondary. So it'll be interesting to see how the Titans react against that Bears defense because we know that they're going to be changing defenses. They're no, they're very good defensively. Their offense is going to figure it out by the fourth quarter. It's going to look ugly, but they figured it out in the fourth quarter somehow every week. It's going to happen. So we'll have to wait and see, but that will be a really good game. But, guys, that will be the conclusion of our show today. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you, as always, to all of our guests. Thomas, you are excellent, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Joe, once again, good day in the studio. We'll have to we'll have to get together and play some golf sometime. I want to see what Joe's got. Oh, I like that right, idea. I'm going to have to spend some time in the, in the golf center. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to be buying some season passes in there. Is that a thing? A season pass? I think I think most years. This year's it's a little different because of COVID. I think they're okay. I think they're limiting um, the amount of play in there. But I think I think most years, yeah, you can you can get some season pass in there. Oh. Okay. Right, I gotta step it up for this. <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to save save some money here. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to make that happen. But thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.